Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, it's Spanners interrupting the front of the audio again. Uh, Just a quick note on today's audio. You can hear Joe clearly and the conversation's fine, but there is the odd instance of clipping and occasionally he's quieter compared to me. I've done my best to fix it and it's, it's not major. I just wanted to jump in and say it didn't meet the standard I normally go for. So please forgive me. And I hope you can still enjoy this episode. Well, there's a real intro coming up in a minute. So I'll just make like a beep beep noise and then it'll go into the main show. Okay. No, you hang up. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Saywood, part of the Missed Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. I'm Spanners, the host and producer of Missed Apex Podcast, and we are still an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. And now I am in a little blue shed in the heart of Bedfordshire, but... We do try and get out and about as well. So if you want to hang out with us, there's two options coming up. You can do it virtually on iRacing. You can come and join us on March the 7th at 8pm on Saturday. This is round two of our MX5 competition. Round one was just the best fun. Hanging out with all you guys on Discord for about three hours. We had uh, three MX5 heats. Uh, This time we're going on the Charlotte uh, uh, infield track. And then there's a little bit of drafting as well. Great fun. Um, and then we have a, an oval race to finish with as well. So do get in touch. SpannersReady at gmail.com. You'll have to register to get the details of the race and the password. If you are a North American carter, I need you to get in touch with me because I am, I think, folding to some of the pressure we've had over the last year to hold one of our, our karting events over the other side of the pond. So... What I need from you guys, if you seriously think you might be able to attend an event in the New York City area in early June, or our more ambitious plan of going to Montreal at some time near the Grand Prix, email me as well, spannersready at gmail.com. Let me know that I've got enough numbers to push ahead and try and do something super, super exciting. But this week, I am joined in the shed 
by F1 media legend and everyone's F1 uncle, Joe Sayward. How's it going, Joe? Oh, I'm feeling deeply avuncular. Unvuncular? That's avuncular. Avuncular. Okay, so that's you've what you've done there is you've put me in my place. Ah, you urchin. I shall use a word you don't know. Does that well, mean it means Ill? uncle-like? Uncle-like. Oh, right. I thought it meant ill because you were complaining about not feeling. No, I well. am ill as well. But avuncular means do you uncleness? How? <laughs> yeah, Uncle Joe. I think you, you're leaning into that. There's a lot of affection for you from your readers. Really? Honestly, well, I, yes, I know, but I'm not sure I'm uncle age yet. I'm more like a grandfather, you know. Oh, so you've gone beyond uncle. Yeah, but I... Well, whatever. I was I trying... Feel, I don't feel old, you know. I still whiz around the world like a lunatic. Lunatic. Although I must say, I thought Jean Todd's comments the other day about we shouldn't complain about having extra travel was just a little bit from the inside of a private jet. Yeah. Um, not with much reality attached. So that didn't go down well among team members. and There was loads of members of the team being incredibly rude about Mr. Todd's uh, comments. From as a journalist, from your point of view, I mean, how do you see that? It has the same strain on you as it does, you know, and your family as it does for the team members, presumably. Uh, worse, I would say, because we're not easy to rotate. You know, you can you can put another journalist in your place, but um, the chances are that all the good journalists are already going to be there doing other things. So, um, you know, if you're going to replace yourself, you've got to find somebody good to do it, um, and that's not easy if you can't really pay them very much. Well, I mean. I go off to races without being paid. I just pay the expenses. So if somebody was going to do it on my behalf, I'd have to pay the expenses and pay them. So it would obviously be more expensive for me. Um, and it's already quite tight. It's not easy to do the whole championship. You'd have to find someone that you trust, have a good working relationship with. You have to know that they've got the gift of the gab, maybe own their own shed. It would but be then nice- also the one thing they don't have is the connections. Um, when you're at the races, I can go and talk to people and somebody new on the scene wouldn't be able to. They can say, hello, I'm Joe Sayre, and they go, no, you're not. <laughs> that's um, true. And that's the problem. So, yeah, in a, in a way, I'm a, you know, drivers are not replaceable either, if you think about it. Team principals probably are. Some of them should be replaced anyway. Um, but uh, fundamentally, some of the top engineers, these sort of people can't be rotated. So uh, it, it's rather a silly thing to say. And I think that, that he just needs to be a little bit more reasonable. But he does have a habit of, of doing things that sort of don't, um, that don't understand real people. Uh, the classic example of that was after the Paris shootings a few years ago when he insisted on, on having a sort of memorial to road accident victims when nobody actually wanted to do it. They all wanted to actually sort of send a message about Paris. And so you ended up with a rather bizarre thing on the grid where the two things were being remembered at the same time, which was, which was really uh, basically a mess. So he's definitely upset certain people within the the F1 fraternity. And there's no doubt that looking at that already busy set schedule, a lot of people would have opened that in front of their partners. And as a family, they'd have gone, oh, oh man, no, we, we, we just can't do this. Well, but- I tell you what, you, you know you're in trouble when uh, Franz Tost says it's too much. Because Franz Tost, would, would, you know, he's so mad about racing, he'd go to the opening of an envelope if it said Formula One on it, you know, and... Even he is saying it's too much. Oh, I think that's a message that needs to be taken into account. I think Liberty Media has understood that, uh, but I'm not sure that Jean Todd has. Because he lives, he lives in a, a rarefied world, let's be, let's be brutally honest here. So obviously it depends what angle you're looking at this from. I mean, to play devil's advocate for a little while, I mean, that I, I chose to not be a soldier anymore because I looked at all my friends in their 30s 
and they were all divorced. So I chose life over continuing that career. And for example, as an engineer, to earn good money, you have to be away a lot and like, you know, do tent villages in Iraq. And obviously F1, maybe it's not millionaire wages for your, for your common crew member, but there is a glory and a prestige of working in F1. Is it not just natural that something that everyone wants to do does carry a high price? Uh, yes, no. I think that you, you must bear in mind also that, I mean, there are still a lot of people who are what we call lifers in Formula One who've been there for a long time and will be there at all the races. But increasingly in the younger generations, there's more and more turnover of staff. Now, there are more and more staff as well, but there's more and more turnover. And because it's hard and, you know, people who've been around Formula One a while, for a while are generally divorced. Um, usually one make a mistake once and then you find a make different choices after that. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just, you're away so much that it's not just about your wife or partner. It's also about all the other things that go in, in life, such as friends, weddings, you know, or uh, family weddings, funerals, you name it. You, you, you know, basically you miss most of this sort of stuff uh, if it happens at the wrong time. And um, you're naturally you're, yeah. babies, for example, as well. Yes. That's another one. Well, this is it. You're going to lose people essentially as they go into their late 20s, early 30s, and it becomes more important to, to be at home. When you're 25, who, who cares? Go, go around the world. Go and do it. Yes, but the trouble with that is if, you're, if your chosen path um, is, for example, okay, being a mechanic, you can be a mechanic on, on diggers, you can be a mechanic on anything. Um, and I suppose you could say the same thing about journalism. Um, but you know, in, in motorsport journalism, what is there to aspire to once you've got to Formula One? You know. There's nowhere else to go above it. I know there are people out there who think that Formula E is much more exciting and much more important, and that Le Mans is the greatest race in the history of mankind. We should all go to Bathurst and spend the entire year talking about that. There's all kinds of people who have funny views. But the fact of the matter is that Formula One is the top. And, and why would you not want to be in the top? You can't earn a decent living as a freelance in the other championships. But my thinking is the reason Jean Tart is making those kind of comments is because the decision's already been made. So then from a PR point of view, you're kind of having to back up and justify that decision. No, that's not strictly true. Um, a decision was made in 2013 by Mr. Jean Todd and by the, uh, by the uh, Formula One group, w- which had an agreement. And the agreement is that there will be a maximum of 25 races. Now, previous to that, it had been 17 and you had to get permission to get more than that. Um, now there's a maximum of 25. And um, the, the, the reason for that fundamentally is the FIA made more money. And uh, so they made 25 million for 20, if I remember correctly, it's 25 million for 20 races and then a million for each extra race on top of that. They're doing that's things. Their for, that's their fee. They're doing things for money instead of the good of the sport. I, I don't believe it. I, no, no, no. I'm sure they're doing it so that the money can be used to save, you know, to paint zebra crossings and erect traffic lights in Namibia and other such things, um, you know, to save uh, people crashing their cars, uh, which is, I've always found it very strange that Formula One should pay for road safety, but there you are, that's what happens. Uh, Joe, in our live chat room, the wonderful folks who come and join us when we record this show live by going to YouTube and searching for Miss Apex podcast are asking you things, as is their want to do. So quick hello, quickly, let's move up the screen. Hello to Andrew, Bruce, uh, Mark, uh, Udavir, Antoine, Metal Gear, all joining us. Tim, well, this I think they're all at work, Joe. Because I, I, oh, okay. 
that is definitely that's where I watch all my live streams. I don't don't do it in my own time. Uh, welcome to the chat room, you guys. You can join us on there, by the way. If you find us, if you do it on your phone, you see our faces at the top, and then the chat rooms at the bottom. Mark Greenhow is asking because you said uh, where is there to go after F one journalism? He's going. Is there not a triple crown equivalent in journalism? <laughs> so you can be like the own. <laughs> I've already done the triple crown. I did that before I went to Formula One. You know, you go and do the big races if you can. So I've done the 500 and I've done Bathurst and I've done Le Mans several times. I did the Nürburgring 24 hours. I've done the Dakar. So I've, I've basically, okay, I didn't win them all because I'm only a journalist, but I, <laughs> I, I did all of them. Um, so, you know, it was a nice experience. I did some NASCAR as well. Um, and a few French hill climbs along the way, little things like that. But, you know, it's it's not – if you have ambition, that's the place you've got to go. How did you the find world. NASCAR, Joe? Because I've started doing it on The Sims, and I, and I don't hate it, and I feel dirty and disgusting, but I actually think it's quite cool. I thought it was well, – it was another world when I did it. It's a long time ago. But it, it, was, it was a real shock to me because I had no idea what to expect. I went over there. We didn't have any sort of TV of it in those days, so we weren't really convinced about, or not convinced, we weren't really aware of what it was all about. And I, I sat there like a very sort of uh, clean-behind-the-ears schoolboy with my lap chart. And in the first three laps, I don't think I breathed a word, you know, a single breath. It was like sort of, what the? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what was happening. And then thankfully they had a yellow, because otherwise I probably would have died. Um and it was because there'd be cars with bits and pieces flying off them all over the shop. And I was just completely sort of breathless. And, and I turned to some American guy sitting next to me. Um, and I just said, well, what just happened? And he said, well, down there in turn one on lap one. And he went through the whole race and he got it all. And I just sort of went, well, I just throw this lap chart thing away. You know, what am I doing? I've got no idea how to do this. I forgot about you. And it was an insult. It was, a, it was an assault on the senses. It was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. And there were 38 cars going 200 miles an hour in each and weighing a very large amount, sounding like squadrons of Lancaster bombers. Um, and it was fantastic. Now, do I want to go and do that 36 times a year in an age now when the grandstands are virtually empty in most places they go? Um, and you really don't go home. In fact, there are no reporters who do all the races in NASA. That's long gone. The 38 races a year. Um, they have very, you know, the, the drivers are there most days, but the crews uh, are rotating all the time. Uh, there's a crew that just goes in for Sundays only. Um, but the journalists, I think most, the biggest news organizations involved, probably, I think AP has three reporters. They share the races between them. Uh, just another question then quickly, because this is um, leading on nicely to the Alonso story that's propped up recently, which is that Alonso's relationship or lack of relationship with Honda has sort of come back to bit to bite him, and it's Honda that are actually vetoing his his future drives there. Um, so is he coming back to F one? These stories keep popping up. It's about as likely as me going off to the moon, I should think. But I never know. One 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 can never say never in Formula One because there's always some lunatic out there who's willing to do it. Who knows? Maybe Lawrence Stroll would hire him. Although he can't at the moment because he's got Perez under contract, and I don't suppose he'd be hiring the other firing the other driver to make way for Fernando. But let's just bear in mind that Fernando is 38 years old. He will be 39. That's so young, um, so young. Well, it's not so young in Formula One terms. I was looking at it the other day, and very few Formula One drivers. I was looking actually at, at the list of uh, the old men of each season and see who was the oldest. 
and you know very very few drivers get over 40 um and normally the oldest man is you know sort of 38 39 uh, kimmy's now i think gone over 40 but i doubt he'll get another deal after this year um michael schumacher went over 40 but then michael was a special case because he had you know he had his reputation that kept him going up rather than his performance so um fundamentally i really don't see it happening the other thing is where is he going to go because most of the teams have already said we don't want him they've had him already they know the trouble he brings with him uh in the way he he does things and i'm sorry you know you can you can deny it as much as you like and and lots of Spanish journalists are always banging on about how wonderful and how unfair it is. But, you know, the bed has been made by the man in it. And um, yeah, you get what you get. The, uh, you reap what you sow. I heard him trying to sort of backtrack on his GP2 engine comment, saying that, oh, no, that was that I meant that to be a private chat. But he didn't do a lot to sort of dampen down the water while he was at McLaren Honda. No, no, no. He made an absolutely fundamental, massive mistake with Honda. And it's something that I really find extraordinary now maybe he's, he's new to dealing with japanese i spent uh, i think i might have said before 25 years working with the japanese and there's a few things i learned along the way and one is you don't argue and you certainly don't insult them it's not a good idea because if you do that they, they are suffering from what is called loss of face particularly if you do it publicly and and if you want to you know sort of understand japan you have to understand that loss of face is the primary motivation in life pretty much so that's why Japanese people don't argue. It's why they don't fight very much in public. It's why you don't see them criticizing one another. They may do things in the background, but in public, they don't do it. And what, what Fernando did broke all the rules of Japanese etiquette. And it doesn't surprise me. In fact, I was very surprised when I saw the stories coming out of Spain last week saying that, oh, no, Honda are going to let this happen. I'm thinking, nah, this is <laughs> Um And the other thing was, let's bear in mind that for the last two years, he's been driving for Toyota. And seems to have an open-ended relationship with Toyota anyway on Dakar. Deadly so, rivals. Uh, well, the deadly rivals is, is part of it, yeah. So it really would have been an absolutely amazing story if Honda had, had gone against all their, um, the way they operate. Now, maybe HPD in America, the Honda American lot, thought it'd be okay. And Michael Andretti, I'm sure he, he probably thought it'd be okay. And I'm sure that Fernando thought it'd be okay. But at the end of the day, when you've, when you've cut a Japanese corporation deeply, that they're not going to come and be nice to you. So I, I think my wife would do well in Japanese culture because, like, in the car on the way to the party, she's like Khaleesi yelling Dracarys and setting me on fire. Then when, when we get there, she's Michael McIntyre, sort of like, oh, hello, everyone, and there's me behind, like, morale down. Yeah, so that, I think I think she'd do very well as a samurai. Good. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything. I thought your <laughs> wife was lovely. And she sent me a nice Christmas message with the kids. I thought that was very sweet. Nope, it's all lies. She's an utter, utter git. Uh, we should talk about Stroll. That is the massive story, isn't it, that has been on everyone's lips. And it Sorry, do- what, what? Stroll? Stroll, Aston Martin. Um, it's oh, a British oh, car Stroll. company yeah. that um, is in Bond movies it's, and well, it's a, green. A, a British car company that's in financial difficulties once again, you mean. That one. So yeah. is is this the seventh time it's been rescued from the brink? Oh, I, to be honest, it's more than that, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's gone through in, in its entire history, which is over 100 years now, to be fair. Um, it's gone bust about four or five times, um, and it's been in financial difficulties a lot of the time. But, you know, this time it was looking okay until not very long ago. And then after they, they had the IPO that didn't work really well, um, in fact, 
was a disaster. Um, it was really a question of needing to find uh, investment, and Stroll has come up with some of it, um, and the others involved are going to come up with enough to, to relaunch the whole thing, and we'll see what happens. So obviously, it's easy to see what's in it for for Aston Martin. They are saved and rescued, and presumably the the owners uh, that helps them. They aren't going bankrupt, etc. But what is in it for Stroll? Like, what does he gain from having the the Aston Martin name? So now they're saying, oh well, it will be a works Aston Martin team, but they don't make an engine. I, I, what is in it for Lawrence Stroll? Well, he becomes a factory team, which gives him, uh, in theory, the same kind of credibility as. Mercedes and or Ferrari, which is absolutely not true, is it? Because Alfa Romeo is really sour, just with some stickers on the side. So, uh, is it really going to be an Alfa Romeo, sorry, an Aston Martin works team? Well, no, it's not, is it? It's going to be a badged version of Racing Point. Um, will it help to sell Aston Martins? Probably. If it helps to sell Aston Martins, Lawrence Stroll will make more money because he's obviously got 20% of the shares and therefore, logically, he will take some of the profits as well. So, um, you know, it gives, it gives him some cred. The thing he's good at is, is developing brands, luxury brand, brands. And Aston Martin is a luxury brand. So, you know, before we sort of kick him too much, we'll say, well, let's see what he can do. He's, he did a fairly decent job with Michael Kors and with um, Thingamie Bob and the other jobs, you know, that lot. I've forgotten them all now. But um, Tommy Hilfiger, that's the one I was looking for. So, you know, they've made lots of money doing that. So we'll see what happens. He's also, it's not just him. Uh, his consortium is the same consortium, by the way, who bought Racing Point. So there's a bunch uh-huh. of very rich people. Uh, the same, there's about nine or ten of them, all of whom, almost all of whom are certainly multimillionaires and billionaires, um, who are buying in with him. He's just fronting it all. And, you know, do we believe that Aston Martin has a long-term future? Uh I don't know the answer to that because I'm not an, I'm not a great expert in these matters, but um, it's a good brand and uh, it's got James Bond on its side, which is really important because about once every two years you get a big boost in sales because James is driving your latest monster. What it does do, on the other hand, is it gives Red Bull a bit of a problem. And as much as they have a company called Red Bull Technology, which is developing hypercar, the hypercar, and that program will finish after the hypercar, so they said. Uh, in a press release. Now, beyond the hypercar, there is a second supercar, which looks like the hypercar, which is called the Valhalla, um, <laughs> as opposed to the Valkyrie. And there's supposed to be 500 Valhalla's built. Now, Ooh. somebody else is obviously going to have to do that. So maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe Lawrence is going to build Valhalla's in his big new factory at, at Silverstone as well. I don't know. Uh, maybe they'll build them in that place in Wales that they've opened. I don't know what they're going to do, but there is another project. But what it does is it gives Honda Sorry, it gives Aston Martin. No, it doesn't. I'll say that again. It gives Red Bull uh, an entire department. Obviously, some of the people involved will leave and go back to Aston Martin. But an entire department of people who've been working on designing hypercars and no hypercar to design, which I would say is probably a good opportunity for Honda to build a hypercar in league with Aston Martin. I'll do it again. Red Bull. Red Bull. So I'll, I'll, yes. edit, I'll edit all of that, Joe. Honestly, he didn't edit it. <laughs> yes, of course he won't. Um, but, you know, th- th- there's things like that. So there are uh, there is another level of sort of industrial um, thing. Now, would it make any difference in terms of competitiveness? Well, there is this same old problem, which is Aston Martin does not make its own engines. So the road cars have got Mercedes and Cosworth engines in them. 
and the Formula One cars will, will have Mercedes engines. Yeah, so it's um, it's incredibly, it's, it's like a testament to what Lawrence Stroll can do and does that he's again made another step in F1 to 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 buy up what was it sixteen percent? It was reported with a commitment to an extra twenty percent of now. No, we- no, 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 no. It, it's it's basically something like seventeen percent initially, and it will rise to twenty percent. Right. Whether he okay. go- whether he goes in beyond that, I don't know. Um, but it is it's a sizable investment for what he's buying, and it's a it's a big risk because um, Aston Martin's share price is very low. Um, and you know we have to see if if the, the important thing at the moment is the, the new SUV will the SUV sell because SUVs are what you know Porsche Lamborghini they've all done really well even Ferrari is now sort of going down the SUV path everybody wants to buy a great big sort of urban track agreed yeah and um, get in the way of each other at supermarket car parks if you can't park it don't buy it. Exactly. I'm never buying one of them Bugatti Royales. They're useless for parking. Uh, Joe, the reason I talk about the scale of the investment is that we we have been ki- uh, quick in the past to dismiss Lance Stroll as a, a pay driver who has been propped up as if it's as if he's paying to have his go in F1 and then he's going to disappear like other billionaires and millionaires have done in the past. This kind of action from Lawrence Stroll means we can no longer dismiss Lance Stroll. He is here to stay. They are incredibly ambitious. He has had the time now to get up to speed that other drivers would not have had time to do. So he is only going to improve because if you stay in an F1 car longer and longer and longer, you've got opportunities that other drivers haven't had. That's an interesting argument. I mean, first of all, there are two things. One is Lance Stroll isn't as bad as a lot of people think. And that is a, a point that is worth making. Secondly. If he doesn't deliver what uh, long-term Formula One drivers need to deliver, uh, do you think that Lawrence is going to just sail on through without anybody in his team saying, uh, we're actually wasting one of these seats? <laughs> this is an argument I would expect to hear if Lance doesn't deliver. Um, and it would be much wiser from a financial point of view and for the future of the team if we had a different driver in that car. So that would be something which a, a proper racing person, um, of which there are lots in Formula One, would go up before the boss and say, well, you know, this is, this is the situation. Now, Lawrence Stroll can respond to that by saying, gee whiz, yes, you're right, uh, we'll do it. He can go, gee whiz, yes, you're right, but we're not going to do it. Or he can go, gee whiz, you're wrong and you're fired. Um, <laughs> now, which would not be the smart thing to do. But, you know, these are, these are things that they have to deal with if it, if it needs to be dealt with. Now, and yeah, we're just got to see what Lance can do. Uh, but you know, when you say he has he's, had two podiums, yeah, he's pe- people are twelve years old. People are arguing with you when you say, uh, when you just said, you know, he's not as bad as people think. H- had he been in F one twenty years ago, he would the standard he's at now, he would be one of the front runners in F one. Because the standard of F one drivers has improved massively. Yeah, but that's irrelevant. Okay, know. but if he put is Lewis also... Hamilton up against <laughs> Sterling Moss. What do you think would have happened? I mean, you know. Anything you, you can make up any scenario you like about that. So I the will. fact is, the fact is that all you can do is judge him on what he's achieved. He's achieved two podiums. Okay, how many how how many podiums has Nico Hulkenberg achieved? Zero, Joe. Not any. Not a single one, Joe. And would you say that Nico Hulkenberg is a better driver than Lance Stroll? Y- yes. Yes, well, of there course. You are, then. Yeah, well, I know. So what do you know? But Lance Stroll <laughs> has got something on his side 
and it, and it is because he's from a privileged position and a rich family, and it's the same across all industries, that he has multiple opportunities and time. So, you know, a kid without those opportunities doesn't get the time but to racist. do it. But yeah, but, but now he's had the time. You think Piers Courage just sort of wandered in? You know, it was because Courage Brewery was No, uh, Joe, you, mis- you misunderstand me. I'm not slating Lance Stroll at all. What I'm saying is that he has had the time to develop and it's not inconceivable that he can get up to a much better standard. I honestly think there's every opportunity that Lance Stroll could become Formula One world champion just looking at what Lawrence Stroll is doing. And as reported by racefans.net and also car joke. <laughs> yeah, but they're going to buy Mercedes, aren't they? Because Mercedes are quitting F- Mercedes. I read it on the internet, Joe. I read well, it. don't believe everything you read on the internet, even in supposedly reliable sites, uh, because that story about Mercedes-Benz pulling out is utter tosh. And actually, as uh, Reuters went and asked Mr. Kalanius, the boss of Mercedes-Benz, are you going to pull out? And he said, no, we're not which was a fairly sensible step to take before writing a story say they're going to pull out. But if you will go with stories that have no uh, substance to them and are not verified or, I mean, everybody takes a risk occasionally, but not on something like that. That's an easy one. You can just pick up the phone and ask. And generally speaking, you'll get an answer. I certainly did. I picked up the phone and asked and I got an answer, which oddly enough was much the same as the one Kalanias gave. So the story was, as reported was that on the 12th of March, there was going to be a meeting where Mercedes consider whether they were going to pull out. February, I believe. Oh, sorry, right. February, you're right. At the end of this season, and then basically leave Brackley open for Stroll and Aston Martin, headed by Toto well, Wolff to well, come why does Why does Stroll need two Formula One teams? Point number one. Second of all, did you notice that when, when Mercedes pulled out of DTM, and let, let's just uh, preface this with something quite important here. And that is that Daimler AG is a listed corporation on the stock exchanges of the world. They cannot just, their executives cannot just tell bald-faced lies. And they have to be responsible in the way they deal with people. So shutting a team at nine months' notice, or even less than that, whatever, pulling out and leaving a team in difficulties is just not acceptable anymore. Now, we've seen it happen in the past, but you know nowadays things have changed. So there's a corporate responsibility question. And when they pulled out of DTM, they told everybody 18 months ahead that they were going. And they didn't just sort of wander off. And they, they made sure that everybody had what they needed. Which leads me, Joe, to ask you just a little bit about being a journalist and sitting on stories. But first, you might just hear a break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So that story that we discussed earlier, Joe, about Mercedes potentially pulling out, when you're a journalist and you've, you've, you've got this piece of information and you, you go with it, I mean, this dominated the news cycle in F1 for a whole week. And like, let's be fair, obviously not a lot else was happening, but it, it went everywhere. It must be quite difficult to manage that. And then when the story turns out to be not true, um, I mean, I mean, you must have had it in your time as well, Joe. I, you've broken I, big I was, stories. I was, I was in very great, uh, under great pressure this last week to write a similar story from editors. Really? And I said, I'm not writing it because it's not true. I'm not going to follow what everyone is saying because I don't, first of all, I don't believe it. And secondly, I honestly think it's, it's not true. And that was when the day the story came out. And, uh, and then the Colonia's quotes came out the following day. What, what I find extraordinary is all these websites, all these knowledgeable people about Formula One, ho-ho, um, just followed the original story. It's not going to happen. You know, all these people, you know, just dreaming up conspiracy theories as, as to, you know, why they're not going to tell the truth because they're going to pull out for this reason and that reason. They're going to make savings and daddy, daddy, daddy. If you actually look at it all in a sensible and calm fashion, they're about to announce a huge new sponsorship deal of about sort of $29 million a year with Ineos, which will take up a big chunk of the money that Mercedes needs to put in each year. And basically, it's a very small investment for very, very big return from Mercedes. You've got a, a, a team that's won a record number of victories. Why in the world would you give it up? Why in the world would you break up the greatest team in the history of the sport, if that's how you want to look at it. You know, they, they certainly could be argued as being that. Why would you do that? The answer is just, it, it's ridiculous. Just keep going and doing what you're doing and keep trying to beat the records even more and more. Yeah, well, also, I think whenever you've got a new story that involves uh, Lewis Hamilton potentially going out of the sport, uh, then you know the, the, the temptation to go with that story is even more pressing. And like, it, it's interesting hearing you talk about... Uh, uh, pressure from editors because like obviously here in the shed we're not journalists so we've got no pressure to report stuff but we are lucky that some people do talk to us and give us information so I, we've often had stories where there's no pressure for us to get rid of it and i've gone actually it's going to cause us an awful lot of stress to put that story out so we'll just we're just going to leave it we're going to sit back and wait for it to come out and also like who would believe us anyway um uh, if you well, remember that's, a, that's an, a point the fact is that Credible sources need to be credible sources. So you can't afford to make mistakes like the one that was made. You cannot, because your credibility, okay, uh, the sources on, in question got the Aston Martin story right. Well, that was clearly a story that was placed with them for a reason. I don't know what the reason was, whatever, but, you know, they used it because auto cards got some credibility. But if you make that mistake too often, people are not, you know, they're not willing to read the, the stuff. I mean, there are some Formula One websites you might read because they have a sensational headline, but you know it's rubbish. Yeah, I won't name names, but there's a couple of websites like that. So I said, oh, now what angle are they going to take on this one? You know, how are they going to spin this one into something that's not? But that's not 
journalism. That's more like sort of entertainment and clickbaiting. Um, and to be honest, it's not something I regularly go and look at. Um, but just everybody jumping on bandwagons when there's no journalistic effort going into it, it's just very depressing, really. Um, it, it doesn't do the industry any good at all. And, you know, the credibility of journalists is, is, is hard enough to maintain um, if, if we don't actually do it properly. So, um, you know, we have to do what we have to do. And to go back to the thing about secrets, um, I'm very often sitting on very big secrets. I'm sitting on a really big secret at the moment, actually. I can't what is it, Joe? It is. What, what is it? <laughs> There's one thing I'm very good at, and that's keeping secrets. And uh, uh, well, you'll see when it comes out. But um, basically, I, and you never know. I, I'm, I'm taking a risk because somebody else might get it. But I have a deal um, whereby... I'll get everything I need and all in the right order at the right time. Um, and the story will be told properly. So the whole thing, when it happens, if it happens, I'm sure we're trying to get well, but um, basically it will all come out in the right way. And that's how to do it. You know, nowadays, modern journalism, getting things right is more important than necessarily getting it first. And, you know, as everybody can do Twitter, anyone can just sort of um, pop out a story. And that's why there are so many of these sort of uh, copycat websites because they're all just popping out the same story. Anyway, whatever. It must be very frustrating. It must be very frustrating. I, I can completely understand that. Do you mind if we move on to uh, some of the launches, though, Joe? Because we're moving to car launch you season. You can move on to as many car launches as you like. Well, it's yeah. car launches and testing, and it's where us F1 fans get very excited, you less so. But the, what can we actually tell from the launches, especially as, like, it's not the Spice Girls coming out with McLaren anymore. You know, Williams have said, oh, we're doing a digital-only launch, which well, isn't... That's not unusual. Isn't it? Okay. Well, a digital-only launch usually means the car's not ready. Um, but, you know, there have been quite a few of those over time. And um, I don't have a problem with them, really, because, you know, the investment required to go to all the launches, if you don't live in Oxford, um, you know, you've got to fly to Maranello, you've got to fly to Paris, you've got to go to Austria a couple of times by all accounts because you've got the Toro, whatever it's called this week, team, uh, and uh, Stroll's lot are launching in Austria as well. Um, and this is all investment of money. And, uh, okay, if you're, a big, if you're a big publishing company, it's not a big deal. It's also an investment of time uh, for people who are away most of the year already. So uh, I've actually, I'm spending the launch week with my grandchildren. And uh, and I haven't, you know, I will cover them to some extent. Um, the launch is not the grandchildren. And um, <laughs> basically, uh, you know, I will do I will do what is best. But to be honest, what is a launch? It's a whole bunch of hot air about how they hope they're going to do. Uh, the days of looking at cars and saying this will be quick are long gone. So you're looking at whether the yes. delivery is nice. Yeah, exactly. And you're looking at you're looking at Franz Tost saying they're going to finish fifth again as he does every year. Um, except last year, actually, when we got it right. Um, and you just basically, it's a lot of froth. And you only begin to find out what's going on, really, when you get down maybe the second week of testing in, in Barcelona. Probably not. Probably the qualifying session in Melbourne is the one to look out for. So firstly, I'm going to, my, my daughter, Vivi, does book reviews. So go and follow her at Vivi's View on Twitter. I might get her to do the livery reviews if it's just about what colour it is and whether it looks nice. So, uh, well, yeah, I mean, to be, to be quite honest, if there are kids out there who can look at a car and, and recognise the differences between them, they should be working in aerodynamics anyway. 
So, um, you know, I think that people who who try to build the launches up into something they're not are, are really just some more froth merchants. You know, so. we just want to see we just want to see the shiny the shiny new thing. Uh, but while we're on Williams um, and testing, uh, they obviously were a few days late last year. Are they going to make it this year? Um, and testing is actually a bit shorter this year. Well, testing is uh, considerably shorter this year. Yes, it's uh, two three-day tests. So that's six days as opposed to eight days, I believe. So you can work out the sums. That's 25% less, isn't it? Um, and basically, you know, if there's, if, there's, <laughs> 25. if there's rain or snow or whatever, I don't think there'll be snow. There's no snow in Sweden we, at the moment. We don't, in yeah, Spain. we don't have winters anymore, Joe. No, it's true. Now, apparently, we're not going to have a Swedish rally unless there's some snowfall in the next day or so. So um, we'll see how it all goes. But fundamentally, I think it's just there's a lot of words expended. I fully understand why people are excited about the new season and all the rest of it. But and, and we can we can feed that as much as we can. But to say we know what we're talking about, it's just silly. Well, we do know what they're talking about in Marinello. Uh there's already whispers that people aren't happy. Well, hang on. So why do we know? Because in, in anything appearing in the Italian the internet, press is true. Joe, I read it on the internet. Why? Yeah, exactly. Last week, uh, the Italians published stories about how Lewis Hamilton, uh, detailed stories about Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes-Benz and negotiations and Lewis Hamilton's responses while we haven't even talked yet. So where did that come from? Somebody has got, has got a story that's just got nothing to it. Um, now, was it invented? Was it uh, invented by some other somebody else and fed to journalists who believed it? Who knows? I don't know. But the fact is, if Lewis Hamilton comes out and said, well, we actually haven't talked about it yet, I think you believe Lewis Hamilton, don't you? So these reports that they've, they've looked at the car and they're already not happening, what you're saying is we shouldn't panic because I'm, I'm pretty sure Twitter has just handed Mercedes the 2020 uh, titles. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make. I wouldn't go rushing ahead and say Mercedes is going to win the twenty twenty title because we also have a team called Red Bull Honda, um, who were extremely competitive at the end of last year. Um, we have a lot of ambitious midfield teams now. How many of them are going to make a big jump? We'll have to see. But I don't think we should just write everything off and say Mercedes. Maybe Mercedes will screw up. It's always possible. Well, they don't have a track record of really dropping the ball, do they? The, well, they uh, apparently. Uh, what was it? Lewis Hamilton referred to last year's car at the beginning. It was a, it was a very disparaging remark about how difficult a car it was to drive when we started the year, and you know, yeah, Ferrari looked pretty good. So, but they came back, and they and that's what Mercedes. That's why they're a great team, is they keep coming back. Yeah, plucky Mercedes. They came back and just about sneaked a win on all eight of the opening races, didn't they? Didn't they win the first eight or something like that? And it was no, no, not at all. But never mind. Wasn't it? It was first seven. First seven. Yeah, I think they won the first seven races last year. Something like that. And uh, and you see, that's the problem with with modern era. It's hard to remember who won what. And then the year before was the diva, if I'm recalling properly uh but yeah uh joe uh, some people were just saying it, it sounds like you, you have, you've got a little bit of a cold and we discussed before coming on air that we we hoped it wasn't uh, the zombie outbreak that i am pretty certain is about to engulf the world i hope you're already top tip a baseball bat with a nail hammered through it that's how you start before you level up and progress uh china is at risk of being missed isn't it because very sadly, we have this, what is looking like shaping up to be a pandemic, and especially in China, certainly an e- epidemic. 
And it looks like people are just taking no chances now. Uh, Formula E has been cancelled, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And and a lot of other events as well. There's a there's an athletics championship gone. There's a horse show gone. Uh, there's there's about seven or eight major international events in China that have gone already. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Grand Prix went. Um, it's very, very early in this uh, endemic, I'd call it. It's not really pandemic yet. I mean, it, it, there are some cases in other countries, but it's all fundamentally the vast majority is in the one province. Um, we just have to watch the development rates going on. I, I have been watching the development rates in the last few days. I haven't seen today, but it was going by 17% a day um, growth uh, oh. a few days ago, yeah. yesterday. Um, so it is quite impressive. Now, if, and there's also an awful lot of people in, in Hubei province, you know, you think of these provinces in China, or just another province, there's 50 million people in Hubei. So that's basically like uh, England, mm. um, with a bit of Wales thrown in, I'm sure, probably not Scotland and not, certainly not Northern Ireland, but you know, whatever the population numbers are massive. So, you know, that, that can be a pretty major, uh, epidemic. But whether it will go internationally, I mean, it's very hard to get to China now, too. A lot of uh, airlines have cancelled. So if they um, miss the race, I'm assuming that is they just strike that from the championship and carry on. Well, I would say that's probably what you call force majeure. Um, and so they'd probably be able to get away with that uh, in, without having to pay the fee. And everyone will just go, well, we'll do it again next year. Now, that would impact on the Formula One's bottom line uh, by a loss of the amount of money that they pay in race fees. Um, but that's life, you know, there are sometimes that these things happen. So, um, it will save a lot of people, a lot of difficulties getting their visas sorted out if that happens, but I don't know, we'll see. And, but I honestly think it's a bit early to, to sort of say for definite whether it's going to, because if suddenly we find that the, uh, the, the, the expansion rates of the epidemic are not as dramatic as we think, although, you know, to be honest, from January the 26th to February the 2nd, it went from 2,000 to 15,000. Um, so that's in a week. That's pretty impressive. That's 700% or something. I'm not good at numbers. But, um, you know, these these are the kind of things that one has to look at. And the World Health Organization only doesn't know what's going to happen. So why the hell would we? No, very unpredictable. Chat room is just uh, chasing up and saying, I was right. I was right initially. The first eight races Mercedes won last year, despite Ferrari yeah. being crowned champions during testing. And they won 10 out of the first 12. Yes, but races. I think, so. I think you, the key Stephen. point there is that Mercedes didn't deserve to win all of them. No, there was there was a, there was a couple, yeah. So uh, Leclerc's engine. Bahrain, Bahrain uh, was was well, Joe, race. from a, a supportability engineering point of view, might I suggest that the balance between performance and reliability is also part of the skill level of being a development engineer, and that perhaps Mercedes are better at running within their limits for overall reliability. I posit that, Joe. Absolutely agree with you. Good. Happy days. Uh, Joe, you are a champion for, for being with us. I know even even though that you, you have got a bit of a cold going on, we need you fighting fit for the new season so that you can tell us Well, this stuff. is one of the things that we're, we're allowed to do in the winter, which is get sick. In yes. the summer, we haven't got time to get sick. So <laughs> um, basically, I'm spending my time, well, the last four days have been completely wiped out, but basically I'm spending my time trying to do things I like doing, like, playing with my grandchildren, cooking. Ukulele. You're a, bit, you're a big ukulele player. I'm a, a huge yeah, ukulele yeah. player, yeah, as you know. And uh, zipping backwards and forwards to 
to England to have meetings and things. So, you know, it, it's not like I'm entirely um, stuck in one place and just vegetating. Uh, there's never a day that goes by without me writing something because I'm writing a fascinating fact series. Which has got and, and as the chat room are pointing out, you spend a lot of time sim racing as well. So, you know, you're a busy guy in the office. Sim racing, hello? Yeah. No, no. We can send you a video, Joe. We can send short you of them, Short of inspiring it. No, I've done nothing in that world at all. Uh, right. Let me ask you uh, one question then before before you, you head on your way, sip some Lemsip and get ready for an exciting new F1 I'm season. running a bit short on Lemsip, actually. I've used two boxes of it in the last week. Not sponsored by Lemsip. Uh, Jack Aitken says uh, he is moving. He is going to be moving to Williams as their test driver. Is is he essentially, is he George Russell elect? Is he there he, ready to... Has he, has he said that? Yes, he I, said I, it I on... Is he said he's leaving Renault. No, he said it on Twitter. He left a pause and then quite funnily, actually, he went, oh yeah, sorry, you were waiting for news. And then he said he was going to be the test driver with some practice sessions. Well, what happens to that nice Israeli chap? He's oh, just well. signed a deal to be that. Oh, really? Oh, maybe I've, have I got that wrong. Right, apologies if I've got that wrong. I will try and find his tweet. Well, perhaps you could tell us oh, what a is very the... wealthy, There's a we- very wealthy or, or well-supported... <coughs> Excuse me. Mute. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have a chance to. Um, wealthy and well-supported Israeli driver, whose name escapes me just right now, and his father was a, uh, was a similar kind of uh, Formula One... Oh, yes, right. Everyone's going to be screaming at their podcast <laughs> players. We, we, yeah, we know who you're talking about. I'll, I'll try and find it. So they announced the great thing. They even took some journalists off to Tel Aviv for a bit of a jolly to announce all this. So if they've they announced another test drive, well, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Right, OK. Well, I'm sure the chat room will, will definitely save us there. And it was it's um, Nissi. And let's not forget also Jamie Chadwick, of course. I don't know Williams may have an entire car load, <laughs> uh, sorry, bus load of test drivers and reserve drivers and people paying the money. But um, it sounds an odd thing. Roy Nissani. So, yeah. Thank you. That's the name. I, I, it would come to me eventually. And his father was Chenok, who drove Minardis in, in the Dark Ages. So maybe they are just selling off these practice sessions just as that source of income. But if you've already got a pay driver in the second seat in the form of Latifi, does that mean that George Russell is going to be basically giving up all his FP1s? Well, somebody's giving up a lot of them, yeah. Excellent. Joe, people have a chance to see you live in concert which is i mean there is a lot of f1 conversation in that time uh, but you do do as we said before a ukulele intro and outro and a song and dance number and there's always a good spread in the interval and you you're very generous with your time you answer every question that comes at you uh when are you when are you next doing these are you oh in fact ooh, are you doing one at, in north america at some time around the canadian grand prix yes so Basically, it's quite simple. On a Friday of a Grand Prix in a place where I can organise it, I'm doing what was called an audience. I shall do one in Canada on the Friday. I shall do one in Australia on Friday the 13th, although it's not a great date to do that. Um, That will be in Albert Park. So it's walkable from the circuit. Nice and easy. It does mean that you might have to miss the last or bits of the last practice session of whatever the supporting events are, but I I can live with that. Um, And also there's one in London. Before the season begins, on February the 28th, if that's the Friday. Mm, that's close. Um, it's what? That's close in time. They're quite drinky affairs as well, to be fair. Let's, let's appeal to Well, the... in my youth, when I was a drinker, <laughs> you know. So. No, I meant we can all drink while we're watching. Oh, yeah, yeah. we all drink as much as possible, because the, the, the more 
uh, drink you take, the less you'll remember. Loads of people have asked if you're doing one in, hang on, let me get this right, Zandvoort. Yeah, well, there are lots of people who want me to, but as yet I haven't had an offer I can't refuse. So uh, getting any kind of um, venue sorted out. As, as anyone who's tried to go to the Dutch Grand Prix and book accommodation will be able to tell you, um, it's a complete nightmare. Uh, it's a bit like, incidentally, if you are planning to go to Canada, you should have booked your hotels about three months ago. Done. Because all that, all that is left now <laughs> are, um, are Airbnbs who will cancel you at the last minute because they can get more money from somewhere else. All right, so it's Joe, 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 Joe. Well, it happened, it happened to me twice a year ago. I'm a little so, insulted you don't know about the Missed Apex motorhome. Yeah, it's like, it's like a full F1 style motorhome. We'll, we'll, uh-huh. we'll, we'll okay. be, we'll be. Fine. And you're driving it to Canada by way of Greenland, aren't you? Yes, yes, I am. Stop pointing out the obvious logistical flaws in my fake plan, Joe. You're falling to bits. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for not cancelling. If I was feeling like you're feeling, I definitely would have bailed on me. So, really, really do appreciate it. Go and find all Joe's stuff by searching for Joe Blogs F1. Uh, where's the place you put up all the dates for the audience with Joe? Uh, that would be there somewhere. And okay. I actually do them individually uh, on the Joe Blogs, Blogs F1 blog. I don't actually sort of put them all up. All right. So perhaps I should do if I was well organized, but sadly I don't have enough time. Now, as we approach uh, uh, these shows and the Sunday shows, I'm getting more and more people messaging me to find out when the live stream will be. So I am going to endeavor to have a schedule at least a few weeks ahead on MissedApexPodcast.com's website. I'm going to try and do that. Uh, keep nudging me. Keep reminding me, uh, but we are going to be here on Sunday for an F1 News show with our panel as well. Uh, do get in touch with me if you think you can attend a, a North American uh, go-kart race for Missed Apex around early June. I just I need to know I've got the numbers, and, and then I will make some serious plans. We are talking to a couple of, uh, of kart tracks already. And if you want to go iRacing, message me, spannersready at gmail.com. 7th of March... 8 p.m. UK time. It's a Saturday. We'll hang out on Discord. It's loads of fun. We're going to go now, uh, and I'm going to go fly to Joe's house, spray him with some blue liquid on his shoes, and then ferry him off to Bryce Norton. Uh, Wherever we see you next, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex with Joe and me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.